Hello and welcome back to the Inverted Castle, a Metroidvania enthusiast podcast. I am a nefarious changeling currently wearing the skin of Eric Fox, and joining me as always is a man who has unwittingly just shot his co-host mere moments ago, Thomas Blight. I swear it was a changeling pretending to be Eric. Listen, don't worry about it. He was dead weight. He was a sinking stone. But unlike a rolling stone, we have been gathering moss this past month, specifically Rusted Moss, a game developed by Faxdoc, Happy Squared, and Sunny Days, and published by Playism, uh, released in early 2023. It is a Metroidvania that, as part of its hook, if you will, features <laughs> mostly grappling hook, bungee-based gameplay, as well as a classic fairy lore theming to its story yeah a dumb thing that i kept doing Mm -hmm. every once in a while i would just forget to use the hook that's absurd (laughs) (laughs) like in what way did you forget the other main verb i would just be like in a boss battle and i was like man it's so hard to get away from this boss just by like jumping and super jumping Wait a minute. I have another mouse button. It's about the hook. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, I, I don't know. I have no defense for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how'd you find it overall, by the way? Just like kind of overview, positive, negative? Uh, I mean, I I liked it overall. I'm not really sure where I'm going to go with it, but I'll figure it out by the end of the show, I guess. I'm sure you will. So I guess... It is very much a precision platformer hybrid. Yes. In in the sort of Celeste vein, uh, but also still trying to be fairly Metroidvania. Uh, Yeah, like the uh, comparison to Celeste is certainly there. Certainly in one of the areas, you literally have the gems that give you your, instead of your dash, your grapple back. But they look exactly like the gems from Celeste. They do. Apparently yellow gem floating in the air means get your boost back. I guess, like, yeah, if you've played Celeste, you know exactly what the game's telling you there. But unlike Celeste, I don't think precision is its, like, it's what it wants from you. But the wild bungee tether cord physics really don't lend itself well to precision. So, like, you're going to die a lot, and it's not always going to feel like your fault. Yeah, I mean, so, like... Also bringing in another grappling hook type thing, comparing it to Environmental Station Alpha. Yes. I felt more reliable in this in terms of like, I had the space to correct things. And I think the big difference here is that because you're mouse aiming. Yes. Where your bungee cord is going is going to be fixed. And what is changing is usually your amplitude. And a little bit of when you release the bungee cord. But that is a little easier than, for me at least, than ESAs where depending on when I press, when I'm dropping, I could hook onto a completely different piece of terrain and really change my arc. Hmm. Maybe it's just because I was less accurate with my mouse movement because when I'm trying the same jump over and over again, I'm not always hitting the same spot. I found that in ESA, I'm pretty sure that game had a double jump, right? Yes. I mean, eventually you get infinite air dashes. Yeah, exactly. So in that game, you have your other mechanics to uh, essentially course correct. In this game, you get weapons that can kind of use their, like the kickback from their momentum to kind of uh, do a little adjustment. But for the most part, uh, you only get the one tether and then until you land or hit a gem. I found it harder to get consistent results, but that might just be me being bad. I might actually finally have to get good after all these years. I I mean, there were definitely things. I was definitely at the end of the game still having to try things several times. Oh, yeah. Usually it gave you that flexibility to try several times. I guess comparing it to something like Celeste, it doesn't give you infinite times. To, to try it it will eventually kill you if you're not at one of the places where it just gives you infinite mana yeah but most of the time when it is a, a hard jump like you know then the game knows it's hard in fact uh, there are little like a uh, little quips between you and your companion who 
is also your grapple hook will make little jokes about how often he drops you into spikes because <laughs> grappling is hard <laughs> um yeah but they will usually either give you like a save just like the screen over which will restore all your health or yeah your infinite uh mana regeneration which use mana to do your little estus slash hollow knight heal slash haiku the robot also did this <laughs> again you also gain mana back by hitting shit in this case shooting it but still yeah it's most like hollow knight out of those yeah i'd say so because you you can also use your magic for a grenade which i never used mm -hmm. and also the sniper weapon yes also never used I would occasionally use it just if in certain areas when I'm retraversing and I know the robot that's trying to kill me is it a long boy or just takes a bunch of hits. I'll just be like, listen, sniper will take it out one shot. We're good. Mm -hmm. There's also the trinket that lets you explode if you double tap heal. I never used that one. I never used it either. Trinkets, again, in the <laughs> vein of... Hollow Knight and Haiku the Robot are optional little goodies you'll find to enhance your uh, your gameplay, not just in terms of stats, thankfully, but... Sometimes they were a little un inconsistent about applying. Oh? Uh, like, I was basically at the end of the game when I finally decided to test the long-range trinket trinkets with the rockets. Oh. And discovered they don't make your rockets go any further. That's interesting. I know, I know rockets already go kind of far, but yeah, I can also see that in the sniper because the sniper already gets essentially infinite range. Like if it's on the screen. Yes. I mean, that one's a much more understandable exception. Yeah. I also found that there's one that gets you mana when you grapple enemies. And I just could not for the life of me see my mana go up when I grappled enemies. Maybe, maybe it just took longer to trigger. That was one of the ones I got right at the end of the game. Ah, yeah. But yeah, look, you'll do things like extend that. Uh, there's one that extends your um, the ricochet when you fire to like from your shotgun or your or rocket jumping or even the sniper will actually like launch you so that you can get get more height in places you can't grapple. Actually, silly thing, I feel like they probably should have tutorialized the recoil from your heavy weapons a little more. I ended up not really using it until the the post game cleanup and i was like oh wait i could have been doing this all along yeah it's something i noticed with the shotgun because of course the shotgun's going to give you a little kick and instantly i'm just like can i use this to break things and then almost immediately ran into a place where because you can only grapple on places where there's moss you know the name haha <laughs> and there wasn't any around that could even theoretically get me to this little like lore box i'm just like can I do this? And I couldn't. And then I got the trinket to give me more kickback and I could. I'm just like, okay, cool. This was necessary. It feels cool to discover, but I understand what you're saying when you could have no idea. Like I didn't know rocket jumping was a thing until after the game. I just assumed that, oh, I should probably not be in the explosion because grenades will kill you, but apparently rockets are fine. Yeah. I, well, I mean, maybe I'm just dumber because I went to that spot and there's moss nearby, but not there. And so I spent a while being like, what the, what kind of wacky thing do I have to do to make this moss work for me? Got frustrated and left it until the very end of the game when I was like, oh, wait, rocket jumps exist. Yeah, that's part of like the wild physics you can get up to with this being like, okay, maybe there's a way I can get some Cracker Jack timing and get the correct tensile strength in my bungee core to, like, launch myself. But no, it's far more mundane, but they just don't tell you it's a thing. Yeah. Oh, also super secret tech that I saw someone do because I was looking up how to clear one particular flag. You can hit yourself with your own grenade in midair, and that will give you your grapple back. Oh. So I saw someone get to one of the flags by swinging, throwing the, the grenade in front of them so that they then run into it, and then grappling again. Make your own Celeste Jewel. Cool, cool, cool. Um, no, I never I never did that, never saw that. So that's some speedrun tech. Yeah, I guess we've talked about a bunch of it. We might as well go through the full list of traversal abilities. There aren't many. Yeah. 
There's the standard grapple. Yep. There's the super jump, which you can only do on Moss. Yeah, you kind of just crouch for like half a second. I kept finding it annoyingly long in that I would try, I guess I would try to go too fast during a boss fight and end up not super jumping. Uh, yeah, you, like you just tap it and then just do a little piddly little uh, yeah. normal jump for babies. Yep, straight into the boss. And the bosses are cool, but yeah, if you're not on your game for both that and being able to remember the grapple exists, it, you will get hit a lot, and getting hit a lot is not great in this. <laughs> if you recall, uh, healing takes your mana. It also takes a little bit of time, and if you get hit during that time, one, you lose your mana that you try to spend, as well as you don't even get the heal, and now you're just hurt even more. It's it's rough. Yes, and it also dead stops you. Oh, Yeah. You can do it while, like, hanging onto a ledge or mid-grapple, but you cannot influence any sort of movement once you initiate it. It is occasionally useful to dead stop yourself. Like, if you're over a platform, you can just be like, oh, I'll hit heal and dead stop and land on the platform. More tech. Anyway, super jump. Yeah, there's the aforementioned grenades, uh, which function as mostly a key. It turns out you can also do that grapple tech with them, but even though I had watched someone do it, I couldn't pull it off. There's nowhere in the game that requires you to do that tech. That is, as far as I'm aware, not intended. And the doors that the grenade open, I think there might be like three or four in the game total. It's not a lot. It's not a huge amount. I, I forgot I had grenades like after a session and uh, it just kind of never came up again. Yeah, the, the gun recoil that we talked about with... Primarily with the shotgun and the rocket launcher. And then the Titan the bungee cord. I don't know how to properly call it other than that. Essentially, yeah, yeah, you retract it, I guess. Uh, which will allow you to use the... If you do that at, like, max stretchiness, it'll give you a lot of momentum in the direction of towards your tether. Which is also technically not required to beat the game... But that's only if you do some wild sequence breaking. Otherwise, yeah, you need that. Listen, ending E is <laughs> dumb. Wait, there's an E? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll get to it once we start talking about story. But yeah, there, there's a dumb joke uh, ending. Okay, the, the all endings I saw did not have that one. Well, that's a shame then, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else about the progression you want to talk about before we move on that's see that's it and you get like you can get most of that like the first thing you get is the super jump or actually technically the grapple but that feels like the starting equipment really it's after like a tutorial boss and then you just have to find one of the weapons that give you recoil and again it's not necessary to beat the game or even i think get all of the story items and then, yeah, the retracting bit, and then that's kind of it. And then there's eight story items to get, like eight different main zones. And so for like a long time, you're not really getting so much uh, major upgrades, so much as the minor like, oh, more mana, more health, more slots for your trinket bag. Getting new trinkets is really the dopamine, I guess, uh, trigger. I did a bad job of getting a lot of the new tr trinkets, like... In my post-game roundup, I was like, oh man, here's all these trinkets. It, these would have been great to experiment with while I was playing the game the like first time through. Yeah, I'll bet. And like, there's no indication on like where they'll be or what the reward is going to be for any given challenge room. I mean, once you get close, you can see it, but... Yes. Yeah. And like, you, you'll see them around the, uh, around the map, but like, the map doesn't indicate where secrets are. If you've been in a room and you've even seen the thing and then have to leave because you don't know how to solve it or you're just not in the mood. The game won't mark that you've been there or what you've seen. So you have to just kind of remember you forgot that room. It'll tell you how many items are in an area, but that's it. Yeah, and global numbers. The thing is this game counts lore boxes with the same equivalency as upgrades. So in a given area, you're not sure if you just missed out on a, a fun new tale on a fairy being a jerk ass, or if you've missed like the one trinket that's going to trivialize the boss. And definitely in the way that they're placing secrets, I think they view them as nearly identical, right? In terms of reward value. Absolutely. Yeah. The only thing that really I would say they consider 
more valuable. I, I guess I could say the health upgrades, but then the flags, which are really just, hey, we're going to give you advance notice. This is a challenge place. You can skip it if you want to. And then like it'll be a flag that does nothing except for being like, hey, you, you, you solved my challenge puzzle. You did a hard climb. If you get all six and take it to the one NPC that cares about this, you get the fantastic reward of another challenge climb. Yeah, I did not finish that one. I guess there's a trinket behind it. Yeah, but again, I couldn't be bothered to do that. It was too hard and I'm already beating the game or I've already beaten the game. I didn't go back for it, but it's there. Yeah. If you get really good at grappling, but I just was not. I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I definitely hit a, a wall on that and was just like, yeah, no, I don't need to try this again. Literally, it's like it's it is actually like climbing up a sheer cliff face that like <laughs> overhangs onto you. Oh, man. Yeah, it's rough, but I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah. So, I mean, we can go a little more into the plot. Sure. So this is somewhat Dark Souls reminiscent. In that there is an age of man and age of fairies, yep. and the age of man is coming to an end. Uh, apparently it has already lasted longer than it expected. Yeah, twice as long for some reason. And you are a changeling who was raised by humans, undetected, who recently sort of betrayed the humans that you were with in that you blew up a lab and rescued Puck, your companion. Yes. Before the game even starts, uh, this... This had happened. Puck is this little uh, shadow orb guy. He's the wise kraken one, as compared to Ferns. Really, kind of a jerk, <laughs> just to everybody. Yeah, just absolutely hates not only humans but kind of like doesn't really care about any NPC you come across in general, and seems to delight in their misery. But yeah, basically, you're like, listen, age of man, too long. Uh, me and Puck, let's go. Let's go see the seer and see what we can do to uh, bring about the age of the Fae once more. And you, in the style of Hollow Knight and Haiku and many others, you explore the ruins of a once great civilization. <laughs> Mark your bingo sheets, kids. Fair. And uh, you have a, a human sister who you you uh, changed linked their re real sister out of a job who. Still believes in you a little bit, but hates what you're doing. Really wishes that humanity would, you know, keep going on account of Maya, your sister, being a human. Kind of a vested interest there, but I don't know. And the seer would really like you to gather the pieces of the fairy queen Titania. Yes, her sister. There's a lot of siblings in this game. Everybody's got a sibling and none of the siblings are cool. All just just absolute trash siblings across the board. Could not wait to trade them out or just like otherwise fight them. The seer, uh, we'll we'll see what she thinks of her sister. But for the meantime, would really like you to put her back together. She's been um, as though like an action figure left with a toddler. Uh, all her limbs have been split across the uh, this great land within the hands of like witches that on the human side and different um, mechanized like uh, weapons that they developed. But yeah, that's the overarching plot, as it were. And like, I mean, I hesitate to say Fern even cares about Titania, but that is like Fern's one motivation is time for the Age of Fairies. Yeah, Fern's main motivation, I think, is spite. <laughs> as, as, like um, over the course of the, the game, you'll like find all these like different NPCs and lore boxes finding out either just stories of humans being trash because they like any child that's not bright and cheery and fun to be around is like, well, I think that might be a changeling. I think that might be a fae and they'll do mur a murder on them if they're lucky. Yeah. It's some weird like black and orange morality <laughs> because the humans are total dicks. Absolutely. And in many ways, so are the fae, but the fae... I don't know, have no malice behind it. They're just doing things because they can. Yeah, they kind of just do things arbitrarily like a dog or a ghost. They, they just kind of think it's funny to, like, take a child away for 50 years and then the child comes back looking like nothing's changed and be like, <laughs> oh, that's fun. Or doing weird monkey's paw-esque wish granting. Yeah, you want to hear your brother's voice again? Oh, good. Well, now you will never uh, not hear his wailing cries from beyond the grave. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um it was hard to like motivate myself other than like the lore boxes <laughs> actually tended to be some of the most fun just because it's just like another like little little tale of uh just absolute dickishness and like I don't know. The main story wasn't doing it for me because I didn't know any of the characters really and Fern in particular. <laughs> I was just like I is is there going to be a turn at some point and kind of no. A little bit of one. A little bit of one, and there's a little bit of a something going on between Puck and the Seer. Like, they're, there's something they're not letting you in on. Yeah. But, you know, hey, just collect some limbs, dog. It'll be fine. And weirdly, pretty much every human boss that you defeat then becomes someone who just stands around and you can talk to. You don't actually kill them because you, I guess you don't need to. You got You got what you came here for. It's a surprising thing of, like, these people are committing unspeakable atrocities, but also once they're neutralized, they're just like, hey, how's it going? Do you want to go get my cat? <laughs> I'll throw in a challenge climb for you. Maybe a trinket? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's weird. The tone is occasionally a little inconsistent for like how absolutely dark and depressing it is and then still have Puck kind of quipping a little bit or like... Some of the the jokes that Fern tells are just so mean-spirited, but also kind of silly. It's just so weird. It's all unspeakable evil, but also it's not personal for most people. Yeah. I mean, there is some like, Fern, how dare you betray us? Definitely Maya's got a, a chip on her shoulder about Fern and uh, just like, come on, come back. Don't kill humans. I will blast you with a laser beam, but, like, I won't kill you with it. And then the person I set to guard you will just be like, whatever. It's not my job. <laughs> Listen, I don't actually care if the Age of Man comes by. Uh, I'm really just here looking for a deserter, because that's my job. You're not him, so, you know. Yeah, the, the, the surprisingly level-headed, you were never on our side, so you're not a, a traitor. Yeah, it's also like very fae-like in that I will do the thing you requested to its letter, but not its spirit. And <laughs> yeah, whatever happens, you know, uh, fuck it, we ball. No, no sense of right and wrong. It's a strange world. It is. It, it's certainly unique in its tone. I just, I just occasionally get whiplash. Uh, if you'll pardon the pun. Uh, one random thing that I thought about is that there are references to an unseely court. So random folklore info dump. Seely fae are fae that are don't intend harm for humans. They can be beneficial, but they're like the kind of fae that you can make deals with. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, the yeah. unseely fae are the ones that are just gonna kill you or whatever. So throughout this, you're only really dealing with the the seely fae because the unseely court was disposed of long ago. Those jerks. <laughs> So this isn't even the real jerks of the Fae. Yeah, as much as we suck, imagine how much they suck. Yeah, so... I'm not very familiar with fairy lore, so a lot of this was actually just like... I'm not sure if this is invented for the game or if this is like just the deepest like um, mythology that I just don't really see. The closest I came is that, uh, oh, Titania and Oberon are demons in Shin Megami Tensei. And that's about as close <laughs> as I've ever gotten before. Two different ones in the, in there. Uh, this game seems to suggest that they're the same person, just different forms. Yeah, a lot of what it's talking about is real lore. Okay. I'm not specifically familiar with Oberon and Titania being the same people. Normally they're the king and queen of Fae. And I didn't recognize the other names. I think one was Nick Nevin. Nick Nevin, and there's also Queen Mob. Another separate demon in Shin Megami Tensei? Mabe. Mabe? Yeah, Mabe is another common fey name. Okay. I've only ever seen it written down. I have never read the Dresden Files myself and maybe should try it, but Mabe is the queen of the winter court in that. Okay, so this game will play a little fast and loose, but it, it commits hard to these are fairies, but like the bad ones. This, this ain't Navi, uh, Kokiri Forest. Yeah, these aren't your helpful fairies, except there are stories in there about when they are, right? And that's also all from traditional lore of brownies. Okay, but anyway, so Fern, right? She can use guns. <laughs> that's weird. That's something a character will occasionally remark upon, like uh, how mostly fairies hate iron, can't touch the stuff. 
that's the whole thing. Like all the iron's currently rusted because this is the last days of the age of man. Let's get the moss back. That's fairies. Cool, cool, cool. That's the name. Turns out at the very end, after you've gathered all the pieces of Titania, betrayal. The seer and Puck were using you. Seer wants to take control from her sister, hates her sister, but you don't like that because you are actually a lot older than it would seem as Fern. Trying to like get all the things that happen in the very end because it's just a huge info dump. Turns out, yeah, you used to be human. A lot of a lot of this could have been trickled. I feel, but uh... yeah, there's like one uh, a bunch of stories that like will bring up the beloved child and this village that used to exist. Uh, turns out you were part of that village. You weren't the beloved child, but you were given up to the Fae. And because you used to be human and have now become a changeling, centuries have passed, you can still use iron. Cool. That's part of the thing. But yeah, you were betrayed once. And upon defeating the seer who tried to kill you, Puck, who's also part of this thing, reveals himself to be your long-lost brother from that village from before when you were human who was the beloved child. Everyone everyone thought he kicked ass. The village loved him. The Fae loved him. But in order to prolong the age of man, he gives you, Fern, up to the Fae because you are the most important thing to Puck, who used to be known as Robin. I'm just going to keep calling him Puck. Whatever. Uh, I also thought it was funny that the, this ending reveals that you've always been a dick. Exactly. Yeah, no, like... No one liked you, Fern, because you were always kind of this way of, like, delighting in people's suffering and being kind of gloomy and all the things that would make someone suspect you of being a changeling. Fern was just kind of always that way. And no one cared except for Puck, who gave you up to prolong the age of man and then reneged on his promise because he's like, oh, no, no one gives a shit about Fern except me. I need to right this wrong, but... It's too late. Fern already just kind of hates his guts and won't go back with him. And because he tried to do that, the Fae cursed him to become a shadow orb. Also, he lost his memories for a while. Doesn't really matter. But yeah, Fern still got a chip on her shoulder because that one time her brother sold her to the Fae. Yeah, turns out right at the end, you find out all the stuff about how Puck is actually a pretty tragic hero. Yeah, uh, I mean, they, there was indications a little earlier that he is under a curse, but like no details on that. Fern, I don't know, it is interesting. Fern, because the, the inciting incident is Fern rescuing him, not knowing who he is. Exactly. Because he's just a little shadow orb now. He used to be a human. Very, very like messed up destinies intertwined. It's just, yeah, just like another aspect of like, yeah, everything sucks in this world. What Puck did kind of shitty to Fern and also like against the natural order of the cycles of Age of Man, Age of Fae and how that will repeat forever. He just kind of upturned that because everyone loved him and uh, he made a deal, tried to rescue Fern and Fern just like, nah, dog. And because she rejected him, he got cursed. Anyway, uh, that then triggers a boss fight <laughs> or <laughs> boss fight survive long enough uh, against him for Queen Titania to finally come back all put together. And that that's like the true end, as it were, like potentially you don't find out anything about Puck in most of the endings. But in the true ending, by wishing Queen Titania back, that's what happens. And then you make your wish to Queen Titania to bring Maya, your sister, who died at some point in the scuffle back and then essentially it's it's just over a few text boxes in the ending with some little illustrations shows uh finally the age man ends they like ants they scurry back into their homes and hang horseshoes to protect themselves as the fae return in force to the world no one knows what maya thinks about it but uh hey fern's got her sister back and is living the good life as a changeling i assume but no details really given yeah uh, do you want to go over the other endings? <laughs> uh, okay. Do I remember each one individually well enough? <laughs> so the default ending is you kind of just do what Puck was intending and not what the seer was intending. The seer kind of betrayed them, everybody, but you ascend to the throne instead of Titania. And basically Maya gives up on you because she's alive in this version. I guess she just only dies when Puck betrays y'all. Maya gives up on you and starts looking for her real sister. 
the one, the oh yeah, the non-changeling version that you replaced. Uh, she's given up on you. Uh, you can alternately split the power between you and Maya and rule as twin queens, except Maya doesn't like that either and decides to uh, look for more information on changelings to, I don't know, convince you to bring humans back. Yeah, there's there's a character who never actually shows up called the Changeling King. Yeah. Which honestly, I, before the reveal, I was kind of expecting Puck to be the Changeling King. I see. Yeah, again, like no, me being an ignorant doofus, I'm just like, oh, that's just another character brought out of nowhere in the ending cool 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 i i don't know i was like well there's a person with a curse who doesn't know who they are and there's a named thing that hasn't been mapped to anybody i guess there are two named things because there was also the beloved child turns out it was beloved child yeah okay and then the third ending is you grant maya's wish to actually just okay age of man again third time's the charm let's one mo again but of course all wishes come with a a price and like as part of the wish was also to never see Fern again. Turns out that means that Maya gets uh, is is the sacrifice for this wish, and Fern also just kind of disappears from the world, never to be seen again. Hey, uh, I I thought that ending implied Fern is actually stuck in the human world or refuses to go back to Elfheim. Oh right, yeah, because that's where Maya is. Maya is stuck in Elfheim forever. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's not explicitly like, it's not like they're being killed. I believe that might be the case, but it's essentially, yeah, they, they are forever twain. And also, hey, good news for humans, I guess. So like none of these endings are like amazing. If you're on the, especially if you're on the human side, you basically get one where you get your age back, but the principal characters are kaput. I mean, in classic environmental part of Dark Souls tradition, there is no fixing the system yeah. ending. The cycle continues. All you did was extend it or swap it over. Yeah. Or, alternatively, you get down here without talking to the seer at all. Hell, you might not even get any of Titania's pieces. But you can still, like, maneuver your way down sequence break to the final area, at which point the seer's going like, Hey, um, you didn't gather any pieces. It doesn't really make sense for us to fight, dot, dot, dot. Fight happens anyway. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, I can't believe you forgot our mission. And then Fern's just like, well, maybe someone should have reminded me. And then fade to black. That's that's ending E. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's the speed run ending to just kind of like, okay, yeah, no, minimal dialogue. Let's go. But yeah, Weird. that's kind of a hidden ending. <laughs> it also makes me wonder if if you had never died like at any point during the game, if any of those dialogues where Puck chides you for falling into spikes a lot, if that would even happen, or if there's alternate dialogue, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like the kind of game that might do it, but I'd be surprised. I mean, I'm not going to get good at it, uh, enough at it to check. Exactly, yeah. Just an interesting thought. But yeah, that's that's all the story stuff that I can think of that's really relevant. Yeah. All dark, but intentionally so. The one thing we haven't talked very much about is the bosses. Yeah, combat, bosses, yeah. They're, I think, probably my favorite part, but definitely still suffer from the... It is hard to control. One thing I should mention is because this is used like WASD and mouse, like that's great for a first-person shooter. It took a long time for me to get used to it for 2D platforming. Okay. That, that's that's just me. Um, it just didn't feel right. It felt awkward for whatever reason, uh, the speed and like what everything mapped to. I really wish I could have had the, you know, either controller in my hand or right hand on the directional keys. For whatever reason, those are both good for 2D games. But I don't know. It, was, it, it just took a while for my mind to adjust. Weird. Because like I think of left hand on WASD as basically the same as a d-pad so it is it's just like the different fingers it's not the thumb i i, I don't know how else to describe yeah, it other than I me guess. just being a weirdo right now but it is something i noticed when i was starting <laughs> the game is oh i wish this wasn't the case but i know why it needs to be because you need to have the cursor position for firing the gun and firing the grappling hook clearly you need to set up a controller and hold the controller in your left hand and oh. the mouse in your right hand oh, i bet that would have worked too shit <laughs> oh well i'm also one of those weirdos who has inverted camera on both uh x and y axis i don't know for me for the bosses like they were a lot of fun uh one of the reasons that i kept forgetting to use the grapple 
is that I felt like I was just like I could grapple fairly competently when I was not under pressure. Ah, yeah. And then under pressure, I would just kind of be like, blah, what am I doing? <laughs> Especially since you need to grapple away from the target that you need to also aim at to shoot. So it, it is like a bit more hectic to be like sw- swapping between targets like that. I didn't find that too bad for the bosses. Uh, I did on the a lot of the early bosses. What I would do is I would just set up a grapple and try to stay on it and just bounce back and forth rather than actually trying to re-grapple. Yeah, especially you do need to land to re-grapple anyway. So if you can just... Or get hit. Or get hit. <laughs> Listen... You can always get hit. Look, if you're not that good, then you can re-grapple all the time because you're getting hit. But you're grappling to not get hit. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, whenever possible, I'd I'd rather just like run around and actually use the super jumps in areas where that was available. But no, I think they did a pretty good job at making unique encounters as far as bosses are concerned. Like you'll find witch enemies, one lady with a bunch of swords to avoid... One where you can't hit the main body and instead hit like all its little uh, secondary targets. Actually, there's a couple that kind of fit that bill, but in different ways. Yeah, the, that one was a little bit of a common return. Yeah, but the weapons seemed good and you can usually find different trinkets to help you out. Either ones that make it easier to survive, like, I don't know, some number of these bullets will just not be there. Or charging your weapon makes it deal more damage or stay at full health get extra range and damage i don't know yeah uh you have six different weapons yeah my my go-to for the bosses once i got it was rocket launcher always rocket launcher never change off of rocket launcher i didn't touch the rocket launcher for bosses (laughs) oh i i liked it a lot i don't know you could just like pop out of safety hit them (laughs) get back into safety because you're not gonna fire a second shot for a while yeah, that's why I didn't like about it. I went with shotgun, so I would never be in safety and would just like wait for him to come to me <laughs> and just kind of like stay just like a little bit away to get maximum spread on the shotgun because you get two shots and it recharges fairly quick. And I'd hot swap to the bolt launcher when it's far away because the bolt launcher, you you charge it up and then it fires out like a, just a stream of arrows until it's out, at which point it takes literally forever to reload during that point i just swap back to shotgun yeah and something i discovered very late was that you can use the number keys to switch between them oh okay i i never found that out i i was fine with hit shift and a direction to for whatever gun you wanted i found it out when i was looking up how people were handling the very big chasm to get one of the flags okay the one at the top of the living quarters if you remember that yeah, I, I remember a big chasm. So one of the suggestions was to rocket jump and then switch to shotgun. And I was like, I can't reliably do that. And they're like, oh, use numpad. They told you specifically they reached out through the video? No, I mean, it was like people, other people saying that at, in the comments. It's like, oh, huh. Yeah, you can use number keys. Did not notice. You don't need to do that. You can do it all with the shotgun. Yeah, I did it with the shotgun. It just... It was hard, but I didn't even think about using multiple different ricochets. So, all right. Yeah, occasionally the rocket would be a little slow for fighting bosses, in particular against, what was its name? Pestilence, I think, yeah. is the one that's down in Barrow's End. Yeah, that, that one was the hardest boss for me. Yeah, probably for me too. And also, like, just the slowest first form. I got to the point where I was pretty well no damaging the first form yeah and then like dying within 30 seconds on the second one it was just like ah geez yeah it's one of those things where it has probably like among the most health of any boss so you can't really like even with a fully upgraded gun oh i also was doing this with only the first upgrade apparently see i i tried it at the penultimate upgrade i'm just like I'm still not dealing enough damage for second phase to attrition it, so I just came back after finding enough other shit to get the final upgrade, at which point uh, it was shotgun and bolt launcher. I originally finished the game with only the first upgrade and then went back and was like, wow, look at all this face over I missed. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually pretty good at finding it, apparently, Uh, but it was like the last boss I fought before true ending, so yeah. But yeah, Pestilence in particular just kind of like circles around a small area ton of health 
Second phase, it just kind of homes in on you as much as possible. Even going for pure survivability, it was very hard to survive and even find a place to heal. And that was also a pretty common pattern of the bosses of first phase, they're going to do their own thing. Second phase, they're coming for you. Yeah, yeah. Ratches up the, the intensity, which I thought was pretty good. And I don't know, even though there's some common themes, I didn't find that I was getting tired of these encounters. And the game's not overly long as it is. For me, that's kind of where it shined. Is There were some of the grappling hook shenanigans, but uh, not too much. If you can manage it, cool. But otherwise, pretty frenetic and fun. Yeah. We didn't even talk about all the guns. Uh, you start with a, an assault rifle. It's fine. Charge it up to re- release a burst. The pistol I used for m- a lot of the game until I found the shotgun. It's mostly just a pistol, but if you charge it up, it'll fire out a saw blade that kind of sticks around for a long time, which I found very useful Yeah. for just kind of like setting it and forgetting it. That was very useful on Pestilence. Yeah, I started it on Pestilence, but I found that I got better DPS just being in its face and shotgunning it. Fair. I almost never used the shotgun. Mm. Uh, I went from using the pistol to using the rail with the trinket that makes it only do charged attacks. Right, it turns into like a burst semi-auto type thing. Yeah. To rocket launcher all the time, why would I switch off rocket launcher? <laughs> we are very different people, apparently. All right. Yeah. Play it your way. That That is the thing. Is like it, It's good that when a game offers you choices, like they're not all fake choices. Whatever you're more comfortable with. And like there are a lot of trinkets to kind of uh, augment that. As well as some that make it harder, but give you more capacity, which I found interesting. But the downsides tended to be much harsher than the reward. Like, you die in one hit, but you get three more points to your capacity when most of the trinkets cost six or so. Yeah. I mean, the UI one seemed fine. I never used it, but... Just remember when you're getting hit and you should be fine. But again, the reward wasn't enough for me to, like risk it when i'm still like uh fighting new enemies yeah those ones struck me as like maybe this is for people who are speed running and i mean i guess it depends on whether the trinket is easy to get but like oh i have an extremely limited amount and putting this on lets me equip something that makes me way more able to fight a boss yeah i didn't actually look up the speed run for this game uh new for me so i actually have no idea what the current strats are and what the math kind of works out to and which things are worth getting and save time overall especially when you can just beeline it essentially to the end of the game so maybe in an all trinkets run i'm sure they just do wacky things with the grappling that we would never think of yeah the span of what is potentially available to you with this kind of physics-based momentum-based platforming yeah one person's solution to the the big gap was if you grapple and only fire your shotgun in one direction when you're going one way in the the grapple you will just go super fast and at some point you can release and just fling yourself the entire way (laughs) just kind of like bounding back and forth until you get the uh get what you need or something yeah and it was like uh, i i mean i tried to replicate that and couldn't so they they were clearly practiced at it (laughs) yeah i i managed it with just the shotgun and the grapple hook but can't remember in specific what i tried other than it took a took a minute and i kind of felt like i cheated it by the end i remember the feeling i I don't know i felt like i did it pretty legit hot swapping between two different weapons like maybe that is intended i have no idea these people are crazy oh no just just the shotgun shotgun off the edge of the pier swing shotgun to get a little more velocity (laughs) as you're leaving your swing okay neat but uh anyway anything else we need to i guess my one pet peeve about this game that that i'm thinking of now i don't think that the save system it has is the save and checkpointing system it should have i see i don't know this is just a a personal complaint i kept getting into the situation where i would for instance clear a fight room right there are just some sometimes when they lock you into a room and make you fight some enemies yep and continue forward and encounter a difficult climb and maybe fail it and get a, a, like a hard game over and wipe away my progress and have to go do that fight room again. When the second time through, I do the fight room, I'm just like, okay, I can just go back and save. Occasionally it'll just kind of expect you to, 
if there's a save room right next door, it's not going to give you the infinite mana to heal, but you you want to keep pressing forward. So it's just like, I don't know, there were some times when I just felt like it would have been a little smoother and asked me to backtrack a little less to the save points if they had just made it so that once you accomplish something, it saves, and if you die, you still accomplished that thing, right? Now, granted, that would definitely change the design of some of the optional secrets, right? Yeah. Because a lot of them, the hard part is getting back. It's part of, like, the there's a conflict between this being, like, an exploration Metroidvania as well as a challenge platformer. And so, like, when you get to the challenge challenging platforming section, the, the difficult climbs or whatever, you want it to be, like, Celeste, where you just, okay, keep trying over and over, see what you can do. But then there's also the other aspect of, like, oh, yeah, we just beat a combat room, and that's antithetical to trying that over and over again. You need that That's a challenge for a reason. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. This is also a feeling that I get from like Metroid. Yeah. Right. And it's telling that Metroid Dread mostly switched over to, hey, we're just going to put you outside of the room that you died in um, for bosses. Right. Losing life was also a lot faster in that game. But yeah, very much the the checkpointing was room based. If you died in the room, you're just there again. That's cool. Yeah, that was particularly for bosses and for the, uh, why can't I remember the names of the guys you have to escape from? Emmy. Yeah, the Emmy, right? They actually had the traditional save. And if you die outside of the boss or an Emmy, you just go back to your save and you lose any progress you made in between. A bit of a slap on the wrist. Again, this is, I assume this is why this is a pet peeve and not like, uh, the thing that makes you hate the game is that it doesn't happen too often and you can just go back and save, but yeah, I can see it being annoying. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> feeling the need. And I mean, maybe this is an intentional feeling of being on edge once you've gotten one of the hard to get collectibles and feeling on edge just trying to get back to the save Yeah, through things that you feel like should basically be trivial for you like you already did the hard part but if you mess up a little too much here and you're running out of mana yeah to a certain extent you want a bit of tension there like there needs to be some sort of threat i guess to make the challenge meaningful but yeah i I can see like the threat of doing something annoying again doesn't work well it's part of why dark souls is like the run back to the boss is occasionally just going to be like it's just an annoying run now because the enemies aren't a problem but in this game you actually would have to fight them again because it's a a room that locks you in i don't know it's like fearing that once you've beaten a boss that you're just gonna trip and die (laughs) and have to redo it kind of thing right that that's equivalent to oh i i went and i got this trinket that had a really hard physics puzzle to get and and then I just kind of beefed it on the way back. Yeah, because it's, it's not like you get it and then just continue on. This is a closed room. And so you get to the top, past all the spikes and all that. And now you have to fall back down. Don't die. Remember everything that happened down there. And like, it's just a, kind of an old school save system, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say this is ruins the experience. It's just kind of old school. And I was like, eh, I could have done without it. I could have done with a better a more informationally rich map just mark things i've seen if nothing else that's what is the difference between me going back and 100 percenting it and me being like i got the endings i need whatever i'll also say that speaking of minor quibbles the spots where they do give you infinite mana i still kind of found it galling for me to kind of after failing it to sit there and hit the heal button a couple of times it's was so (laughs) perfunctory just like just don't make it deal damage like really (laughs) if you're gonna do this yeah there was one in particular in elfheim the the very unique thing where uh you need to go downward but gravity is leftward and there is an infinite mana thing at the top of it i actually managed to game over in that room you got past uh (laughs) well if you touch the top of any of the land islands in the leftward gravity yeah that's that's your new spawn point yeah that's still your new spawn point and now you are going to immediately fall leftward when you spawn and also now don't have access to the infinite mana (laughs) Yeah, a bit of a bit of a problem there. I didn't run into that in particular, but oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. So like, 
I don't know. And I feel like that room was supposed to be easy and I just was not getting it. I don't know. That was one of the few places where I was just like, oh, come on, guys. To be fair, they do like that whole area. It's basically the end of the game, but they also throw in like this whole area's gimmick is weird physics. There's gravity is just non-existent except in specific places in specific directions. So getting yeah. used to that, it makes sense that you're going to kind of be on the back foot again. Yeah. And the particularly going down is weird because if you're pressing downward and also grappling you will shorten your tether because in your mind you hit down to go up essentially because you always grapple like mostly above you and now when you're going down you'd want to hit up to do the same thing but no it's still mapped to down yeah well even just like i i want to push to keep going down because even when you're on a tether you can still directional input yeah right to to try to push your your tether one way or another and to be fair you are going down (laughs) yeah but it also takes away that one resource because you can only do it once i don't know yeah those are those are the kinds of of minor quibbles i have of like it just bothered me when it gives you infinite mana but only at the start of a place and you could get checkpointed in the middle of it and then not be able to benefit from that infinite mana yeah yeah which I feel like wasn't the intent, because why else would they give you the infinite mana? Yeah, they, they want you to not have to backtrack in this specific area. Just listen, it's a hard spot. Try it as many times as you can. But then there's the system of last stable ground is where you respawn. Oops, whoops. So like, I don't know, the intent would have been better if those things also just stole your spawn, I guess. Right. And like, if you're in a room or like if you've crossed that then your spawn will be on that thing or hit r to restart the room yeah something like that so, some sort of yeah respawn key because this game does draw heavily on those kind of challenge platformer-esque things so yeah and the time attacks have a, a press r to restart exactly like you restart the whole thing instead of just the room but still other minor quibble <laughs> it would be nice if the time attacks told you where the goal was yeah how far away are you actually from it when it's when you get pretty high and it's like asking you to beat a high score and then you get out of it and it's just like sucks to suck dude try again great i made it 150 meters is that good is that good is that bad (laughs) was that near the end uh, and they all have different distances, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I was not a huge fan of the, the challenge climbs there, the time attacks that are actually required. One of them is. One of them is. They, they hide a, a necessary boss behind one of them. Pro tip, it's the mountainside. But yeah. So non-minor quibble, just <laughs> to kind of wrap up, one last thing I want to say is that because that there aren't all that many traversal upgrades you get most of what you're going to be doing pretty early on i did like how any given area always had at least a gimmick that changed things up enough to kind of separate it out like there's the windy area there's the place in the mountains which is the only place that the uh, crystals really spawn to give you your jump back there's the place with the icker where certain areas will damage you so avoiding that but you can kind of move through it if you're fast Elfame has its weird gravity gimmick. I thought that was pretty cool. How about you? Yeah, I guess one thing, I I did not like the labs gimmick. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, the labs gimmick was mostly, we're not going to give you very many saves. Yeah, not many saves, no infinite mana outside of the saves, and you cannot kill enemies. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, also, uh, once you've cleared most of this, we're going to add hunters that are following you to the rest of it i kind of like the hunter the the invincible thing as soon as it spots you it'll fire off a huge beam just keep moving just keep moving i kind of liked it it was fun but also harrowing i don't know i just kept screwing up enough that the moment i achieved anything i was booking it back to the save yeah i did the same i just didn't mind that i had to do that I mean, it was fine that I had to do that. It was a little frustrating on the runs that I actually had tried to press forward and just died. Uh, very much a pl- uh, scenario in which your mileage will vary depending on how often you have to redo it. I guess I just was more successful. Like, I didn't die many times to it, but I did do many discrete runs of make minor progress, hit one switch, back to the save. Okay, cool. Yeah. Also, in terms of overall level design, 
This is very much a like, take a minor path, it'll wrap back in on itself. You uh, open the, the shortcut, move on like a little bit more. There's like two doors, one's blocked off, make minor progress, loops back around, minor shortcut. It's, it's very much like, again, discrete challenges. And then you can, uh, it opens up. Backtracking makes it is a lot easier because you can get through the areas mostly pretty quickly, except for maybe the shoreline. And I mean, like, that's one of the things of why I kind of, uh, another thing that I kind of feel like maybe they should have just let you keep whatever progress you made. Yeah. There's a lot of places where they stack save points on top of save points. Yeah, like, like they're just one room away. Like literally one room away, there's two saves. It's uh, weird. Yeah. Especially since like you get the save point and can just just get it again. It's not like you have to wait a little bit between save points. It's the shortcut's right there. It's weird. And yeah, I think I really just think that spikes and falls shouldn't deal damage outside of combat rooms. <laughs> Although so, there are some places with enemies. Yeah, there was also the funny thing of, I think there's a point where the falls ramp up in the damage they deal. But the spikes don't. Yeah, specifically, I believe in the barrow. Falling just for whatever reason deals four times as much damage. Which is also awkward because you only heal three pips of uh, health every time you hit the button. But like, yeah, it's specific zones that will punish you more for falling. But spikes are only ever one, and they should be zero. But I digress. Minor complaint and... Uh, again, the, I guess the solution to this is just get good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really annoying to be fighting a boss and get hit, and that causes you to then also fall. There is no invincibility grace period that is going to prevent the second damage there. Or I think there's invincibility grace period for getting hit again. Yeah, and you'd have to react and like re-grapple or something like that. Otherwise... Yeah, but not for falling. So that frequently did me in, especially against Pestilence. Of just like, oh, I got hit mid-grapple in mid-air. Uh, now I'm just going to fall to my death. <laughs> Suffer all of my health da and damage. And yeah, and that's also the area where falls count the most. So, oops. M much like a, a climbing challenge, we, this game is suffering a death by a thousand cuts. So many minor quibbles or spikes running into. I mean, these are just minor complaints. Honestly, I still like the game a lot, right? Like, this is just me being like, if I were doing this, I probably would have decided differently. Would sure. that be better? I don't know. Maybe it would feel too easy if you can just throw yourself in a pit every time you get hit. Maybe it should be easier. Who knows? But it's definitely going for a specific challenge level. There are accessibility options as well as different uh, ways to how it handles grappling, whether it's a hold and release or toggle. Oh yeah, which one did you use? I ended up with toggle, like uh, hit it once, hit it again to uh, release. I, I used the only grappling while holding. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I started, like I swapped to that briefly, but for whatever reason, it wasn't working well with my brain. Yeah, I don't know. I found it much more natural to finger up to get rid of the grapple instead of... Listen, what you do in your private time, don't tell me where your finger's going. <laughs> um... And there's also, hey, something I never engage with. There's a level editor. No idea if people are doing anything well with that, but it exists. Oh. Yeah, people can make their own challenge rooms. Yeah, not not my thing. Yeah, really, it's um, Mario Maker the Saint. Uh, I don't think the main mechanics I really grokked with well enough to play more of amateur content. But for what's there, I thought it was pretty good. But... Any more quibbles, complaints, foibles? No, I think that's everything that I had. How about you tell me how it ranks up with the rest of this incredible list on our stack rank? Uh, I knew this was coming, and I'm still not prepared for it. Unbelievable. Uh, I know, it, it always uh, shocks you, like that, this thing we do <laughs> literally every time. You, you, weren't, you weren't thinking about this while you were playing? Like, eh, this wasn't quite as good as Maze of Galleas. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't normally think about that. I'm not sure why I suggested this as a, a feature of podcast. Oh, that's because you didn't. I did. <laughs> no, that's fair. <laughs> um, I'm the one who forced you to do this. Uh, like, Don't worry. Occasionally, I feel like this should be a tier list instead. Like we, we could separate them out at some point, I guess. Yeah, currently it's just a numbered list that yeah. we kind of just describe and exists nowhere anyone can see. So, I mean, I could post it places. That's true. Um, it is definitely pseudo a tier list in that I feel like there are distinct sections. 
Yeah. It'd be weird if we started like doing different like categories that w- games could appear multiple times at different places, but I think that's a bit much when I really I really think this is just kind of a fun like yeah, where you're feeling and we can pretend that it's a uh, an objective list of the best games of all time. Oh yes, because our opinions are definitely objective and not subjective to our own experiences. Well, one of ours is objective. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to the reader. It's yours, right? It's yours. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm the arbiter of what is good. I'm the only one with the correct best game unsighted. Anyway, have, I, have we vamped long enough? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, looking at my list, I'm just like gut checking on things that I felt like I was having more fun with it than it's definitely going above the Night Witch, uh, which is number 12 for me. Wow. Yeah, I think this was a much better game than the Night Witch. Uh, I do not, uh, but all right. <laughs> I don't know. The Night Witch made me mad. Sure. And even though that this was a difficult precision platformer, I can be chill with that. Interesting. I can try bosses many times. In fact, I tried bosses many times in both this and the Night Witch and never got mad about the boss. (laughs) Um, I mean, I did get a little uh, annoyed at how long it took me to get through phase one of Pestilence uh, because I was using a suboptimal time to kill strategy yeah, yeah, but yeah. so <laughs> it's, yeah it's your opinion dude you can be wrong yeah let's go it's the new number 10 in between iconoclasts on top and guacamole on bottom okay yeah i don't know i liked it there's there's certainly some strange things fern was a pretty unlikable pr- protagonist absolutely but apparently that didn't really bother me uh, it didn't bother me i didn't need to like her yeah the thing is like I wish I cared more to not like her. Like, really, really, the problem is that she was fine because I was not engaged in in that aspect of the story. I guess it's the problem of, like, sometimes an antisocial protagonist just means that the player also doesn't get to form bonds with any of the characters. I, I kind of felt that, like, none of the NPCs really stayed with me, and Puck could only do so much as, like, the silly one. Like, they had some decent banter, but it was kind of, like, the kind of stuff you've seen of, oh, one's kind of no-nonsense angry one, and the other one is silly and and wry humor. Uh, It was fine. Yeah, and I actually kind of feel, thinking about this a little more, the reveal of Puck as the beloved child, I think actually takes away from some of his commentary when... Initially, you think that these are two fae, right? Yep. And Puck is usually the voice of like, hey, what these fae do is a little messed up. It's a little disappointing that it turns out, no, he's human. He just doesn't remember. As opposed to like, no, there is actually differing opinions among the fae about what things do. Yeah, I I get that. Right. Like, I felt like it was a more interesting thing for... Fern to be like, it's just a prank, bro. And Puck being like, yeah, but people die from that prank. Yeah, yeah. Like the actual, like the moral center. And it just turns out, oh yeah, no, Puck is actually kind of the last boss a little bit and also kind of sucked. It's, it's weird. I don't know. But anyway, okay. How about you? Uh, I was I was a lot more frustrated with this game than you are, apparently. Oh. I wanted to like it a lot more than I did, but I felt that I just didn't have the control I wish I did for a lot of the challenge platforming elements. I like the bosses a lot better, but also as fun as learning about fairy lore was, I just did not at at all engage with the story. Yeah, it might have helped that I've read things that go deep on fairy lore before, so I was like, ah, this is a thing that I recognize. Like, um, what is the series called? The Ill-Made Mute? Oh, never heard of that. It was interesting to me in that The Ill-Made Mute uh, by Cecilia Dart Thornton actually had a bibliography in the back of every fable or myth or bit of folklore that it referenced. Oh, neat. Okay. I didn't get any of that in this. (laughs) uh, That would have been nice. A lot of it is things that got referenced in this as well. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, anyway, basically my baseline starting here is it's more fun than Aquaria, and I think that's where it stops. So it's going underneath Ori in the Blind Forest at number 16. Coincidentally, mine is also pretty close to Ori in the Blind Forest. 
I just rank both of them higher. Yeah, six levels higher. For me, Night Witch is number seven. So, like, again, we're, we're not consistent there. Like, I think Night Witch is more fun by ten places. But anyway, that's my opinion. It seems to be, like, almost straight in the middle in, in the above Aquaria tier list if we need to be, if we need to separate it that way. <laughs> but now comes to the next bit of business of what else are we going to disagree with, Tom? Oh, yeah. So the next game, oh god, I should probably have looked up how to say this prob- properly. I think it's Islets. It, what? As opposed to Islets. Oh, okay. Islets. Is it lit? We'll find out. Yeah, as in Little Islands. Even smaller than Isle, it's an Islet. An Islet? I would have pronounced it Islet. Yeah. So as far as I know, it's a pretty short Metroidvania, which is good because, uh, parting the kimono here a little, <laughs> uh, we destroyed our buffer. Absolutely. And... Eric actually has to edit this and get it out in less than a month, which is unusual for us. We used to have a buffer of like three games. Yeah, I can't I can't procrastinate as much as I used to for a lot of reasons. So, yeah, yeah, should be fine. People do podcasts weekly. Uh, well, well, it's just they don't usually involve playing whole games while having jobs. Yeah. So, yeah, should be good. Islets. Uh I let's see how it goes. But if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or whatnot, email at us at uh, invertedcastlepodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at invertedcastlep. Never forget the P. Otherwise, we are also on YouTube, I believe, at the Inverted Castle. I think it uses like the at symbol as well now. It's weird. <laughs> and of course, rate, review us literally anywhere. Write it on a bathroom stall if you need to. But until next time, I've been Eric Fox. And I've been Thomas Blade. And remember, kids, don't trade your siblings to the Fae unless it's for a really good joke. <laughs>